0: my name is jared logan and i am the leader of a secret order that has ruled the earth since mankind was young just two severed heads of like orcs (laughs) or something just sitting there you may have heard us referenced in the book of revelation in days long past we bred princes and toppled empires violence It's violence. This guy can change into a squirrel. If you question it, you're wrong. You're completely wrong. Join us here every week for our Virgin Sacrifice slash podcast. This is the Secret Masters. Guys, if you're listening, don't tell anybody. Don't tell anybody. Of course, it makes no sense, and oh, we're, we're just fucking around. This is it. This is the podcast. No, we're already doing it right now.
1: Oh wow, that's great. That's we, quick.
0: We just jump right in. I like
1: to rush into things if history. Oh is talking
0: man, about it. I just realized I never poured my <laughs> diet. <laughs> it's sitting there. My diet coke that we were talking just about staring
1: at us. Oh Lord.
0: god, the glass is ready. The bottle of diet coke is ready to pour, and I somehow I got distracted. I mean, Jared,
1: if, if you want, I mean, go ahead.
0: Oh, but then.
1: We'll no. have to edit
0: it, and it'll be. Oh. I don't know what
1: this "we" is
0: about. Ah, okay, maybe wait. Let's see if the how I think far the. Oh, let's see how far the um the cord reaches here on the microphone. Is it reach far enough? Oh, oh, come on. We're good. I can pour this uh, diet coke while we talk. Oh, the other voice you're hearing is my good pal, Jimmy Calloway. Hi, everybody. He is a hilarious comic out of San Diego. All true. And the author of the novel, Lupo Danish Never Has Nightmares. Correct. Uh, You see, I had to leave the Diet Coke long enough Mm -hmm. to read the title of the novel. It's a long title. You're going to have to... What's your novel about? It's a superhero gangster novel. That was Um, the Diet Coke getting cracked right there. You probably (laughs) heard that. Uh. It's a superhero
1: gangster novel. It's uh, loosely, very loosely based on Beowulf and uh, amazing, amazing Fantasy number 15. It's
0: superhero more, gangsters mm-hmm. plus Beowulf and Amazing Fantasy number 15. Of course, the first appearance of... Of the spectacular Spider-Man. Yes. Mm-hmm. You uh, listeners at home knew that, right? Of course they did. If you don't, we're rolling our eyes at you a little bit. <laughs> Yes, that's right. the kind of elitist vibe we. I don't uh, think the
1: mic is going to pick up the eye roll so much. though.
0: So. Yeah, that's why I made sure to mention it. Uh, Amazing Fantasy number fifteen, of course, the first appearance of fan favorite character Spider-Man. I wouldn't even call him a fan favorite. He's just I mean, a, he's a, he's a huge
1: world icon at this
0: world point. phenomenon, Absolutely. and uh, that is not what we are here to talk about today. No, world phenomenons. Uh, we are going to be talking comics. But the comics we're going to be talking are, what I've decided to call this is Comic Book Vibranium. Ooh,
1: it's a rare metal.
0: You have to dig a little deeper to find these comic books and graphic novels. Mm -hmm. But when you dig a little deeper, you'll find... Vibranium, a very rare and precious metal from the Marvel Universe. Can it cut through anything? No. No. But it's still very, very resilient. Very strong. It's better than
1: adamantium, isn't it? I think it comes in a a notch below adamantium. Oh, so it's not quite adamantium. Right. But it's Captain America's shield is Vibranium, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Um, it's also the backbone of Wakanda's economy. Yes. Yes. So, so
0: So these, so, and it, it's, it's a little obscure. People, everybody's heard of adamantium. Yes. But they haven't heard of vibranium. Very so true. today we are going to mine some comic book vibranium by talking about comic book series that maybe you have overlooked or that you haven't heard of before. Because I feel like a lot of people, especially today, mm-hmm. they ask their comic book friend, Mm-hmm. Do do people ask you for recommendations? Austin, yes. Yes. And I think most people get the same three recommendations over and over ad nauseum. Right. I mean, what do you think? It's like uh, Watchmen. Watchmen. Dark Knight Returns. Dark Knight Returns. And I usually...
1: Well, Killing Joke will kind of. The Killing
0: Joke, absolutely. Killing Joke even has its own animated movie now.
1: Yeah, well, I I still haven't seen that, but apparently it's rated R as well. I love uh, a rated R animated film. Yeah. Nothing. There's not enough of those.
0: Nothing gets me more turgid than a rated R animated movie. Yeah. You You're know, Fritz the Cat fan are you? Oh, Fritz the Cat! <laughs> now, when you hear a rated R animated movie, you automatically think like, "Why are there exposed breasts?" Mm-hmm. Because, but that's not why. I think the Killing Joke is rated R because it in- involves violence yeah, and it's darkness and things like that. I remember reading Killing Joke for the first time. I was probably eleven, and I was
1: deeply disturbed. It was my parents probably would not have approved had they. Oh not. yeah, yeah.
0: No, that dark era of DC, you know, mm-hmm. in the nineties was absolutely. Amazing is brutal yeah. and if that's Alan Moore writing, so yes. it's it's yeah, you can't go wrong. No, but today we are going to try to uh, show off some things you may not have heard of instead of uh getting recommended saga for the 15th time <laughs> people love saga and it's a good book i think paper girls
1: is a better brian k vaughn comic that's being currently published than saga brian I actually, k
0: vaughn is the writer of saga mm-hmm. and i i don't dig brian k vaughn i think he's overrated oh, interesting
1: i'm right there with you you're one of the few people that i've met that agrees
0: with me that he is a touch overrated i think that one i think he has a lot lot going for him. Certainly. Um, Definitely, he adds a little bit of style that makes these um, things a little more accessible to people who aren't into traditional comic books. right? You know, he he adds kind of a little bit of an element of style. And um, I I don't want to... This is very reductive, but there's a little bit of a hipster vibe that people seem to kind of really... Be able to key into. Yeah. I don't think that's reductive. I think that's perfectly. I think my feelings are
1: reductive because I think he just gets really cute. That's the best word I can There's a I little bit of. Out.
0: He's a little twee. It's a little twee. It's kind of like uh, traditional superhero comics mixed with twee hipsterism. Right. Then like, uh, sometimes it'll be, I'm being very political this time, you mm-hmm. know, and then you can be so proud of yourself that you read a comic book that had <laughs> real politics in I it. I wish
1: the mic could pick up your smugness on your face. Well, it's Because like, that's perfectly... Yeah. There's
0: this thing that just happens where people are like, I'll read a comic, but... It has
1: to have some social significance or I'm yeah. going to be wasting my time.
0: Yeah, I don't read garbage, okay? And <laughs> I think it's completely fine to read garbage sure. if it, as long as it's not the only thing that you read. Absolutely. Um, so, so anyway, enough on Brian K. Do, do go check out Saga. Yeah. It's, it's and great. And why the
1: last man, and uh, that's what I would throw at people is why.
0: Why the last man I loved way more than everything absolutely. else he's done. And that was one of the early things that he really blew right. up on. And that is a world where there is only one man left mm-hmm. and everybody else is female, mm-hmm. um, I, man, you know, a lot has changed since he wrote that, and I, I yeah. would be really interested to reread that. Yeah. Because... Uh, our gender politics have changed significantly oh, in the like the what 10 years since God, that finished it has been 10 years Jeez, where does the time go jared i don't know but it's like an epic quest to across a post-apocalyptic america uh because you know uh, all the men died and uh, if you lost half your population it'd be pretty traumatic it would be um but yeah it's great for feminists and uh, men who hate themselves Yes. So, yeah, I, I, I highly recommend it. His sister becomes like a, a radicalized mm-hmm. like terrorist who c- cuts off her breasts. And, yeah, the Amazon type Yeah, the thing. Amazon, yeah. The Israeli army plays a big part in it, as I recall. Right, because they are one of the few armies of the world that recruit female soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great, but everybody's heard of that one. Yes, yes. We're Everyone's not. heard of why the last man. We're not here for adamantium. Cue, uh, cue a bunch of uh, listeners being like, "I've never heard of that. <laughs> I'm writing that down." Um, so go ahead. What, what's like a, a little bit more obscure? Something that's maybe a little under the radar that you think is excellent that people should check out.
1: Well, my first thought when uh, when you broached the subject with me, Jared, was uh, the boys by Garth Ennis and uh, Derek Robinson was the original artist, I think is credited as co-creator, but he only drew like half the series I want to say, but uh, that's my, that's probably my favorite comic of the last 20 years or so. And tell us what the boys is about. The boys is uh, in every way possible an anti superhero book. Uh, Garth Ennis is my favorite writer. Like Alan Moore I think is objectively the best comic book writer ever. But yeah. Garth Ennis is my personal favorite and he writes some very dark, very uh, twisted stuff. He created preacher, which I think people are probably more familiar with now yes. with the TV show. But the boys is uh Garth Ennis hates superheroes. That's, that's clear. Yeah. I think from just the first issue of the boys. So the boys, the title group are uh, a group of people who work for the CIA and uh, their, their job is to keep superheroes in line because um, the, The face that the superheroes present to the world in the comics, et cetera, is very uh, all-American and clean cut, but behind the scenes, they're all a bunch of filthy, disgusting animals, and it's uh, well.
0: They have absolute power. Absolute they have power they have superpowers, which and boy makes does them it corrupt. Absolutely, yes. It makes it makes the superheroes in in the world. I have read uh, mm-hmm. quite a bit of the boys. I, I love the boys, yes. and I love Garth Ennis. Mm-hmm. We we had a recent episode with like Mike Lawrence and mm-hmm. uh, John Roy, where we talked about the Punisher. Oh, great! And I one of my favorite comic books of all time is Best Garth Punisher Ennis' is Punisher. Absolutely. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's a real beautiful, logical conceit Mm -hmm. that if there were superpowers, these people would be terrible people yes because not only do they have uh, uh, more power than a normal human physically mm-hmm. they also become like celebrities so exactly. it's all the evil of being a celebrity mm-hmm. plus all the like you know all the power that would go to your head from from having supernatural abilities right i mean, I mean what are some of the things that they do like i remember the and of course there's spoofs of every yes so they, I remember the X-Men were just uh, just always having like an orgy with each yeah, other. Yeah.
1: The, the the G-Men storyline, I believe was it when it was a uh, we Huey went undercover as one of the uh one of the like the college aged G-Men groups. I think G-Wiz was their name. And it was uh it was a 24/7 animal house. Like one of the covers wasn't uh, was a tribute to the Animal House poster. Yeah. <clears throat> and so yeah, it's just a it's a bacchanal. There's a there was a there is a mini series within the series called Hero Gasm, where all the superheroes, during what would normally be in mainstream comics a major crossover, where all the superheroes will kind of go off planet like superheroes yeah. or something. What they're really doing is they're going to an island in the Bahamas and fucking for three days straight. <laughs>
0: so it's just
1: yeah, it's a it's a balls to the wall. I think is the best way to put it.
0: It's extremely um, not PC. Not I think it's insidious. fair to say. And um, they got fired from DC with before the first arc was finished. I believe. Yeah, they got they got. Yeah, they they were te- take take this somewhere yeah. else. We don't want to publish it under the DC Comics banner
1: anymore. And to DC's credit, they did let them continue. They probably could have shut the whole thing down. Yeah, because the yeah the heroes that are featured are mostly DC superheroes. The main. Mm-hmm bad guys, the seven, are the Justice League. Yes. And there's no mistaking it. There's no... I mean, they change names and faces oh, yeah, and costumes, that, but it's clearly the American is Superman and... The, 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 the.
0: So... Uh, I, I think it, like the, the, you talked about Wee Huey, who's sort of like the point-of-view character mm-hmm. of this guy that joins this the boys' team. And isn't it that his wife or his girlfriend his is girlfriend? murdered by a superhero named A-Train? A-Train, who is like uh, the Flash... Uh, it was an accident it's an accident (laughs) a train's just running really see this is what's so funny and terrible about it a train's just running really fast Mm because he's like the flash Mm -hmm. and yeah whoops he ran over a woman and killed her sorry he's got the world to save he's busy
1: it's just it's just uh what happens but that is that is ennis's i think whole thing is there's a whole group of people who are victimized that are never represented in superhero. Comics. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I love superhero comics. I always have. I mean, I read a lot of other. I love comics in general, but I do really love superhero comics. Yes, but this notion of like, oh yeah, I don't know that everybody would use this power responsibly. I think like, it, it never actually never really occurred to me.
0: The genius of the that, like I was saying, that conceit is that I think it makes a more sense that they would use it irresponsibly. Yes, and I
1: mean, uh, it's very cynical, but it's also much more realistic. It's also say.
0: super satisfying to watch this mm-hmm. team. The boys yes, take these people down. Oh, absolutely. Which they do in all sorts of ways. Yes. Blackmail sometimes. Yes. Uh,
1: just out and out violence, yeah. which is always fun. And Garth Ennis <laughs> writes it. Um, yeah, there's a, lot, there's a whole arc about uh, gay superheroes, which net, never gets discussed in mainstream... Well, I guess nowadays it's a little more...
0: Yeah, it's a, well, it's there, a there are more out characters
1: more, right. now, yeah. But, uh, yeah, the, the boys, I think, might have been one of the first to really tackle that subject within the realm of superhero comics seriously. You know, tongue-in-cheek, but still seriously. Yeah. Yeah. You know.
0: um, and, again, I just want to warn anybody that's thinking about reading this, it is extremely not pc i end up always agreeing with ennis's politics ultimately Mm -hmm. because i think he's um he's on the right side but um he is one of the crudest like just yes he has potty humor to be to be frank yeah 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 yeah. and i think
1: the boys has enough as a lot of that probably not as much as some of his other books like did you ever read dick's I never read. What is Dix? Dix is, uh, there are two private eye characters in Dublin, and it's cartoonishly potty humor. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's funny. It's worth a read. It's not my favorite. I
0: love that style of humor. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, but it has to be, it has to be something you're into. Yeah. Like Johnny Ryan, Mm -hmm. the artist and creator Johnny Ryan with Prison Pit. And then before that, he just had all, you know, I forget what the characters are called, but, um, just disgusting turds firing out yeah. of assholes into people's mouths. Right. You know, uh, gallons of semen and blood and piss and shit and yeah. every kind of awful thing you could think of. And the and boys, then the boys quite... has a little bit of that. It right. has some of that. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's in your face. I think the most disturbing
1: part of the boys to me anyway was, is the depiction of these superheroes that we know so well. Where like the professor Xavier character is essentially a horrible child molester. Yeah. And, yeah uh, Superman and Batman are rapists and it's yeah, it's really. It's like, ugh. Well, the 9 11 issue, there's a 9 11 issue. Yeah. That almost gave me nightmares. Like, it's so disturbing. Which, right. I mean, it's
0: obviously a disturbing thing. But, but, you know, like, with. it sounds absurd or it's like a satire or it's a joke. But, uh, you know, right now, you and I are uh, looking at the news and seeing this whole Harvey Weinstein thing. Mm-hmm. And um, so, Batman and Superman probably would be I mean, people with a lot of power. Rich guys with a lot of power. Mm-hmm.
1: It's not. You know.
0: it's a very, very dark vision. But I, I really love uh, Garth Ennis' stuff for, for how yes. just black, cynical, yes, darkly cynical he is. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna throw out one that I know that you that you like, mm-hmm. uh, and it's one of my favorites, mm-hmm. like all time. Uh, Palmiotti, Jimmy Palmiotti, and Justin Gray's Jonah Hex. Boy, oh boy, I love it, love it, love it. I mean, I love. There's so much of it. Here's the other thing I like to recommend to people is there's over a hundred issues of Mm -hmm. Jonah Hex by these two guys. Yes. That's a real comic book run. Yes. And that's where you get to see when someone's able to work on something for that long you get to see like all these changes and how they do it and they get really good at writing a character. Yeah. So there's over a hundred issues of this. Some of it is under a comic book called Jonah Hex and some of it's under a comic book called All Star Western. Right. Which I didn't care for as much. All Star Western tried to kind of sell to a broader audience mm-hmm. they um well uh, just to give you a little background jonah hex is set in the old west mm-hmm. he's been an old west character for dc comics for a long time the 70s um, yeah mm-hmm. um in the 70s they had western comics mm-hmm. jonah hex starred in them jonah hex has a horrible scar down one side of his face but um it's a weird scar that's mm-hmm. part of part of his lips are sort of mm-hmm. melted together. Yep. Um, you find out why this is, mm-hmm. which is uh, he went through, a, was it an Apache? I do believe so, yeah. Uh, an Apache ritual where his uh, a hot tomahawk was pressed against his face after uh-huh. it was heated in the fire. So again, this is another kind of bloody, violent, mm-hmm. rough tale. Mm-hmm. Um, but Jonah Hex is a western comic and it is pure western. Yes. And that's my favorite part
1: of Palmiotti and Gray's run, because I believe like the early Jonah Hex stuff was a straightforward Western type thing, and then they started uh, publishing him in weird Western tales. So it took more of a sciencey fictiony horror.
0: Yeah, they might add a ghost or a dinosaur
1: to right. it occasionally, which is which is a lot of fun. But then it got really ridiculous into the 80s. Did you ever read Hex? I never read Hex. Was that him in the future? It's him in the future. And boy, it's weird. I mean, I have it. There's only 18 issues. And it was an early Mark Texera, who's a really good artist. So I like, love I Mark really Texera, yeah. Um, it. I like the ending of the series because the ending of the series is him in the future. And he see he finds his own... Um, preserved corpse, like after he dies, <laughs> which I think was a storyline in the 70s. But after he dies, he he uh, he become like they put him in a museum, basically. And so <laughs> it's it's very weird, but it's also really cool. And then in the 90s, uh, Joe Lansdale
0: wrote a few issues, a few series, yeah, for Vertigo. Joe Lansdale is a famous writer of sort of like horror western mm-hmm. type fiction, and I think he might have also written the script or or the story that like Bone Tomahawk was based on. Did yes. you see that film? No, but I do believe you're right. He also wrote Bubba Hotep yeah. and Bruce Campbell. So he, he writes sort of a, a incredible... Yeah. Uh, Westerns mixed with yeah. horror genre type stuff. Right. And so he did a he did a few of those Jonah Hex series
1: in the 90s, which are great. But when Palmiani and Grey started it over in 06, I think is when it started. Yeah. Uh, it was just straight ahead. It's like a spaghetti Western, which yes. is my
0: favorite kind of Western already. They take every great Western film, Mm -hmm. they throw it in a big uh, pot, they Mm -hmm. mix it all around, and then they create their own classic Westerns. Yes. And it's very episodic, so unlike most comic books, like, say, any X-Men title, where you have to have been following it for nine years to understand what's going on, any usually, yeah. w- any one issue of Jonah Hex, you could get a whole story. I think the longest arc they did was six
1: issues. There was, yeah. there was
0: one story that went
1: six issues, but otherwise you can just jump in at any point.
0: And that's a treat to read the six issue arc, because at that point you've earned it, because you've gotten mm-hmm. to read all these like one story, one issue kind of stories. Yeah. Um. I mean, what do you love about it? Like, what's, what's your favorite stuff about this? They did a specific thing
1: where it was it was very spaghetti westerny, where there would be just panels that were like the subtitles.
0: Oh yeah, like 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 a movie was starting. Right,
1: exactly, and so it would just be it would have a few panels, and then it would just be something like the cemetery's full or something really badass. Western. Yeah, these little epigrams, right? That was my absolute favorite. The
0: cemetery's full. I remember that one. And uh,
1: so that was just in that pacing, that specific pacing, and the way that they were writing for it. Because, yeah, you don't see often enough, certainly in Marvel or DC, like one shot issues one and done stories
0: and they did it so well so well like it's like uh, the only way i can describe it because there's not a western equivalent is like twilight zone episodes where there's always a unique and interesting twist Mm -hmm. and um that's so rare that people turn in that kind of like ec comics storytelling now where every story has this great little button on it Mm -hmm. ribbon on it yeah, I think it's so great. Um, now the art is by. Um, There's a bunch of different artists. Of yeah, the, originally it starts with a guy named Luke Ross. A yeah. guy named Tony De Zuniga does and some of the was, covers. He
1: was the original artist on Jonah Hex. I met him back in the seventies. Yeah, right? I met him. And I want to say 08 at WonderCon. Very
0: yeah. nice guy. I bought a
1: sketch from him, a Jonah Hex sketch from him. Yeah. That. Oh, that's yeah, cool.
0: Yeah. Um, this is dark Western stuff. Like uh, I would put this somewhere between, say, like preacher or unforgiven if you're talking yeah, about movies very, like very Unforgiven, because I, I think in like maybe the first issue or or very early on jonah hex confronts a kid fighting ring <laughs> yeah i forgot you know cockfighting. well jonah right. hex takes down guys who are using children as like uh, mm-hmm. gladiators yeah, i mean I it's that kind of that. like yeah. that's about as over the top as it gets yeah there's right?
1: a, i think there's like i think he kind of does battle with like a like a carnival, full of criminals or something like that. Right. That seems to ring a bell. It has been a little while since I've read these. Um, there's also uh, Darwin Cook drew a few issues. Darwin Cook
0: is, you know, he's incredible. Everybody loves his sold stuff. Sold me
1: because I, yeah, everybody talked to. Career, I create the new, read frontier. new frontier, but um, th- those Jonah Hex issues, I like, oh, now I get it. Yeah, and that was before his Parker books, which I really like too. Um, but yeah, his Jonah Hex issues, and there's like very little dialogue in those too. There'd be issues where there's no dialogue at all. That's
0: and that's impressive. Yeah, like, that's um, not it's, easy. People aren't sitting around giving you know so many comics, mm-hmm. good even good ones. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about like a superhero title, I, I, I always go to the X Men. Mm-hmm. We'll just be page after page of. Well, remember when we got the Magnetron especially the from era, yeah, yeah. like on and on and on and on and on and all this exposition so yeah it's so nice to watch jonah hex and it's they're really going for this like purely cinematic experience where you can just watch image you can just read the images for a little while without almost no talking um now probably some people are more familiar with the terrible josh brolin jonah Hex film i don't think anybody saw it did you i know i saw it (laughs) And all I want to say about that movie, is there's a lot of things wrong with it. Sure. It's pretty dull. Yeah. But it, it, they ignore a key thing about the Jonah Hex stories, which is... They try to make it, you know, they always make this mistake with comic book films when they, when they do them really badly. They're like, we have to give it a comic book feel Oh boy! and make it slightly zany and over the top a little bit, kind yeah, of. That's not and you're like, that's exactly what the Jonah Hex comic books try to avoid. Right. They try to be those old Westerns. They try to be the wild bunch. They try right. to be high noon. Mm-hmm. So you're not adapting it. No. You're, you're, you're actually missing the key thing about it.
1: They should have just made a Western.
0: Don't make a movie like a comic book. That's trying to be a movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, so skip the Josh Brolin film, of course. Of course. Uh, and definitely check out, uh, Jonah Hex. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Okay. What, right. what should we talk about now? What's uh, give me another, well, to give me off- another chunk of <laughs> comic book vibranium,
1: vibranium yum, 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 yum yum um, well, my, one of my favorite cartoonists since, I'm, since even before I started reading comics was Peter Bag, who uh, came out of, I think, Jersey originally, but he's very well known. He's very well associated with Seattle and uh, the grunge scene out of the 90s. Yeah. But the very first thing I ever saw him do was a poster called the Vomit Glossary. Do you remember that at all? No. I know very
0: little about Peter Bagg. Oh, okay. I was always more of a Daniel Klaus guy. Oh, I love the Klaus as well. Uh, Daniel Klaus. So now we're kind of talking about indie cartoonists who kind of made their their name with indie books. Right. I want you to tell me about Peter Bagg though.
1: Okay, so Peter Bagg started out as editor for Weirdo, which I believe was a magazine that Robert Crumb started in the the 70s or early 80s and then he started publishing his own comics through fanagraphics out of Seattle his first book was called neat stuff which had a bunch of different characters It was an anthology kind of like Dan Klaus's eight ball and uh, one of the reoccurring uh, characters was the Bradley family and uh, the eldest boy in that buddy Bradley and it was just kind of like a slice of life it was very sure. funny just sort of a suburban life thing in uh in jersey and so buddy bradley then became star of his own series and the title of which was hate and uh that's one of my absolute favorite books of all time
0: describe the what is the buddy bradley character like and why would he star in a book called hate so buddy is very disenfranchised uh you know white
1: suburban kid which i related to immensely sure um he moves to Seattle. Hate finds him moving. To, he had just moved to Seattle. He's in his early twenties. This was in the early '90s, late '80s, early '90s when the Seattle scene was really starting to swing, as
0: they say. Sure, uh, sure, because swing dancing was coming back. <laughs> That's true. Actually, it would take probably another <laughs> yeah, six it was more or like seven years. 96-ish. Ninety-eight, yeah. yeah. Um,
1: so then it just it follows him through just being a young person in the '90s in a big city. I was in high school, I think, when I got my hands on it. But it. And so the character is slightly older than me, but it was still very relatable.
0: It probably has that, a little bit of that. Um, and it's very different because mm-hmm. it's a different guy working in a different medium but a little bit of that Linklater kind of sensibility oh, right that that uh, slacker vibe very much it and was and part I of i love that, whole, that i love yeah. that whole vibe and yeah. i love the film slacker and all mm-hmm. that stuff okay interesting yeah it's very it, it's very
1: archetypal for that era for the 90s for the generation x yeah. Thing, which I used to kind of bristle against that because I'm a little bit younger than Generation X, but sure. I still kind of lumped in. And I always kind of resented that a little bit. Well, nobody likes like to, be, to be told
0: no, you're part of this group and that was exactly, this is the name of the group and this is what you guys are right. like. Nobody likes that. But
1: you know, between that now I'm like, yeah, that's pretty much accurate.
0: Well now you'd be proud to be Generation X, right? I I liked everything that Generation X made. I liked all those Generation X movies, those you know, singles. Yeah.
1: Bright Light's Uh, Big City, I think, is in there. I I mean,
0: you know, all of that stuff is
1: excellent. Yeah, absolutely. At the time though, I guess it just it was so it took itself so seriously sometimes yeah. that it was hard not to laugh at it, at I mean, least a little bit.
0: I guess the the slightly more crass commercial uh, oh boy. Uh, version of that is... Uh, I mean, I don't want to be too hard on this guy, but, uh, you know, Clerks, it's... Uh, sure. What's his name? Kevin, Help me Smith, out. Yeah. Kevin Smith. Kevin Smith, who I think is, you know, that's a little bit more of the... the, the commercial side of that whole yeah. equation. Yeah, I would agree with that. You know, when they when it stopped being about the music, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> right.
1: And um, I think I think Hate did its best to kind of skewer that as it was happening. Like, yeah. Peter Bagg, I think, was a little bit removed. Like, he's a little bit older than the characters he was writing about, but he still was very familiar. He's very familiar with the music scene in Seattle and everything, and he was living in Seattle by this point. And um, so he was able to, I think have a more critical eye towards the whole generation X movement, And, and I mean, I remember Seattle being such a huge presence, you know, Pearl jam and Nirvana were the big yeah. things on earth. And so to have Peter bag, be able to kind of go, well, here's what Seattle actually kind of looks more
0: like. I really enjoyed that side of it. That's really cool. And, um, can I ask, is it, it's funny that it's very it's like, it, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Being funny.
1: That's yeah. cool and uh yeah it is very funny in a way that it's very real like i don't know how yeah it's not it's not a screwball sort of thing he would do a lot of screwball stuff especially in his earlier neat stuff stuff was very like he had characters like girly girl and stuff like that but uh what was girly girl Girly girl was like a little kindergartner but she would drink rum and had pistols and stuff like so like very
0: So she, he had sillier more cartoony characters Absolutely yeah. but
1: yeah hate was much more slice of life much more realistic and uh, I just really enjoy his his cartooning style. It's yeah. very outlandish. Very
0: oh, the the characters look kind of because I I am familiar. I've looked at the art like mm-hmm. stretched across yeah. the page. Kind yeah, there's, of.
1: they're very they have very thin arms and legs. They're very expressive. Like they'll actually blow a gasket and stuff like that. And. Uh, so, yeah, it's very – it's just fun to read. It's fun yeah. to look at. There was a lot of guys like that. There was a our cartoonist named J.R. Williams who I really liked. Who, I think he quit comics altogether after a while. But he was very much in that same vein. And uh, he did books like Damnation and uh, – they weren't as popular as Hate, but they were definitely they were the same publisher. and They were in that same vein. And Eight Ball was another one. Eight Ball was very yeah. Eight Ball could go from 8 being Ball very by Daniel dark, Klaus. yeah.
0: And you might know Klaus from There's been a couple of movies made of his yeah work. Ghost
1: World, which came out of Eight Ball, the pages of Eight Ball, yeah, and also uh, Art School
0: Confidential, mm-hmm. which I didn't like as much as Ghost. And World. they made uh, a more recent graphic novel, Wilson. Oh, that's into right. I would forgotten now. about that. Yeah, yeah, Wilson. I loved in the graphic novel mm-hmm. version. In the uh, film version, I, yeah. I still loved it, but mm-hmm. not quite as much as the yeah. graphic novel. I think that's fair. You yeah. Know? It's just... They, I mean, there was, when I saw they were making that in a
1: movie, I'm like, well, they're going to have to tame that a bit, because Wilson in the graphic novel is
0: very off-putting. They don't pull it off. I mean, they don't pull pull it back too much. Oh, okay. They, they, they try to really go for it. Sure. I mean, uh, Woody Harrelson plays Wilson, who is this, uh, I mean, cantankerous know-it-all uh, with awful the, dude. He's just a around. terrible single dude in his like forties mm. who has no boundaries, right? He just tells you, he tells you exactly what he thinks at all times. It mm-hmm. doesn't respect anyone's privacy or anyone's personal boundaries. I mean, that's all I want to tell you. I, I would also definitely check out Wilson and yeah. anything by Dan Klaus. While we're talking about um, indie yes. comics, I and Fantagraphics, too. Yes. Uh, by the way, if you love comics at all and you're interested in anything other than superheroes, buy anything and everything Fantagraphics makes Pretty because yeah, this absolutely. is a company that just publishes. Excellent stuff. They
1: only they they definitely like they made their bones in the '90s, publishing all this great indie stuff like Hate and 8-Ball. and now they also are like these archivists where they they've published these really gorgeous reproductions of all the Peanuts strips. Yeah,
0: or they're yeah, all really kinds nice. of old comic strips.
1: And uh, so yeah, they're really anything non superheroes really keeping the medium healthy as far as just not being bogged down by superhero
0: stuff. And when they make uh books and they collect uh even their modern creators, they make pretty books, oh, like beautiful, they're like really... where you want to own the thing and put it on Absolutely. a shelf. Yeah. It's not like something they just like collected a bunch of issues and bound it together and like yeah. here, fucking take it. Which is what I feel like superhero comics companies do a lot of the time. Certainly
1: nowadays, yeah. They're
0: like, here here you go. Whatever. I mean, like, even
1: like DC's omnibus books are like they the binding is really shitty and, and yeah. it's the reproduction. Marvel's are I think Marvel's omnibus editions are really
0: Marvel nice. generally does better with everything. I agree. Um Completely. but uh, so, so Fanagraphics publishes a book that I just got into when I went to San Diego Comic Con this mm. year, and it's called um, Mega Hex. Have you heard of it? No. Okay. So, Mega Hex is by Simon K. Hanselman. Okay. Uh, and Mega Hex is about a witch and a cat who are in a sexual relationship. Yeah. <sighs> And all they do all day long is hang out and get high Mm -hmm. with their shitty friends Mm -hmm. and be shitty to each other in this dilapidated house. One of their friends is Al. He's a large anthropomorphic Al Mm -hmm. who is definitely sort of... um, anxious all the time because all of his friends are terrible potheads who abuse him and pick on him uh, uh-huh. another one of their friends is werewolf jones who is that friend who does thing like set, sets his pubes on fire sure. in the backyard for yeah. a laugh yeah, you yeah. know does a lot of whippets while his kids are uh staying with ah, him ah. that kind of thing uh-huh. and uh It's just, it's so gut-bustingly funny where I'm laughing, so I'm like out loud, doubled over laughing at Mm -hmm. it because I remember the time in my life where I had friends like that and was oh, yeah. living that way Absolutely. where you're living. It's just like, you're just living in detritus. You're just not cleaning. <laughs> right. You got all this like secondhand furniture, fucking missing drawers out of your dresser, your bucket. And you're just getting high all day long. Yeah, you never day. think twice
1: about it. It's just and eating terrible
0: did. food. Um, thankfully I don't have like a weird, sexual relationship uh, in my past, like like the witch and the cat do. Megan Mog do and right. this.
1: We should all be thankful that that...
0: I, I'm not talking about bestiality, no. which uh, I, I think is treated completely fine in the book. It's mm-hmm. the fact that they never quite say that they're a couple, but right. then sex kind of happens when, when she's depressed mm-hmm. or... So, uh, you know, it gets into, you know, it starts off, it feels like a stoner comedy, but then it gets into some pretty dark territory. Sure. The Witch Meg definitely has depression medication (laughs) issues with that, Mm -hmm. so... Uh, and it's beautiful. Um, Simon K. Hanselman uh, d- uses watercolors oh. to color it. Is, so did that come out this year? Uh, it's been out for a while. Has so been. there they, there are like three volumes in or something like yeah. that. And the volumes are really pretty. I'll show you one. I have yeah. one right over there. Oh, okay. Like. Um, But I'll show you one before
1: you go. Because I do like I I know that uh, I don't get as many things from fanographics as I used to because I used to work in a shop and I would just get everything that came through. I still get books regularly, just not quite to the level I was. Um, but Fanagraphics every year does do a free comic book for free comic book day yeah. and I know like this year and it's like always like a sampler of all the stuff that they're gonna have coming out this year and I think this year's issue I was like I'm just going to get all of this like there was nothing
0: that was in that sampler that I did not want to have I mean that's that's I really believe that's how good Fanagraphics is that's how good it is even yes. if I don't love something I'm like well it's I'm glad I read worth that worth your time exactly and I'm glad that someone tried what they were yes. trying here they yeah. tried something different
1: and that was like a big deal to me as a as a teenager because i was such a superhero head from sixth grade on but by the time i was 15 and 16 i had all these other comics from fantagraphics that were like oh there's also this Jim." yeah
0: i was like oh yeah i like this too i mean i didn't even find this stuff till probably college and into my 20s Mm -hmm. because i was an all superheroes guy right and that's their
1: that's like their target is like that college age when you yeah you start to think oh there's got to be other stuff <laughs> yeah there. I'm
0: bored yeah. I, I, college is about the time you go I've seen them do this before yeah. I've seen the super team do this to this guy yeah. in this way before
1: yeah and I think like I did went through the same thing where I stopped reading superhero comics altogether for like five or six years and then when I started reading them again, I was like, oh, and I was like, I fell in love with them all over again. Yeah. But it was just that distance. I needed to do some other stuff for a while, be into some other things.
0: Having read a lot of superhero comics, I always, I find it fun watching the Marvel movies because yeah. I'm just like, oh yeah, I remember this storyline. <laughs> And sometimes I think it's nice that Marvel at least lets these guys that wrote these storylines like 10 years ago, like mm-hmm. they at least usually get a consultant yeah. uh, credit, which, I you know, I don't know what that pays or whatever, but at least they tip their hat. Yeah, in it's, some more, way to these it's better guys than what who, they used to get. Certainly. Well, these guys did the heavy lifting of creating the whole yeah. storyline, all, yeah. all of that stuff in, you know, Captain America, Winter Soldier, Civil War all of it mm-hmm. that that was all figured out already by ed brubaker yeah. pretty much and then later some um some screenwriters came and turned it into a, a, an excellent film right but, but really you got to give props to the original comic book writer absolutely okay so give me another one we okay we have time for a couple more
1: that's fine another one coming back over to oh well we haven't just like fanographics is top shelf like one of the finest indie publishers uh Ever, really, in the history of comics, I would say. But Image Comics, even though it came out of a very superhero-y, very highly stylized, very teenage boy yes. roots, it's now become a very, very good independent publisher as yes. well. So Image puts out a lot of great, great stuff. I read very a lot of their stuff. I want to say most of the stuff they put out. Brian K. Vaughn's Paper Girls and Saga; those are Image comics. Yeah, but uh, my favorite Image comic of the last few years has been The Humans. Okay, I I don't know this. this so The month. Humans is the elevator pitch would be uh, Sons of Anarchy on the Planet of the Apes. That's okay. really all it is.
0: So is it literally a Planet of the Apes?
1: It's a Planet of the Apes. It's it's uh it's 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 kind of weird. So it takes place in Bakersfield in the early seventies, but. Everybody is an ape. Like all the okay. characters are apes. And they're all bikers. And uh humans there are humans like in the films that don't talk and they're just kind of wild animals. Yeah. But everything so everything is just anthropomorphized gorillas. And then it's just a hardcore grindhouse biker story. <laughs> <laughs> and it's one of the best books I've read Wait, did, in years.
0: Does the fact that they're apes play into it quite not, a bit? I mean, not that much. Not that much. I mean, it, yeah, I think
1: it probably could have been done as just a normal biker story. But I think just visually, because I love Planet of the Apes so much. So I don't need, and this, I grew I, up.
0: I do too. I'm a huge yeah, fan.
1: But I grew up, I never liked Sons of Anarchy and that stuff. Because I grew up near, like I used to work next door to a biker bar for years and years. Yeah. I hate hate
0: that whole culture
1: fucking hate those people it's so gross like it i guess it's this i guess if i had grown up next to the mafia i might feel the same way about goodfellas yeah because when you see that sort of counterculture or subculture you call it up close you're like oh these people are disgusting
0: right (laughs) but they do not follow my mores they do not they are breaking my taboo (laughs) do not break my taboo no no i mean clearly like bikers if you watch Sons of Anarchy, you you know this is fun to watch on TV, but I wouldn't want to hang out with no. these guys. They sell hard drugs. They are part of a racist subculture. Yes, yeah, you, you, yeah, that totally makes sense that you would borderline have. Borderline rapists? Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, but so, so and, and I think it's really interesting that you say it's mainly just a biker story, but the visual of them being a racist uh, is really
1: fun. Well, the, the, the artist is Tom Keenan Marshall Keller is the writer Mm -hmm. and I had not read anything. I don't think he'd done much before this series. The artist is Tom Neely, who I knew from, he did a book called Henry and Glenn forever, which was a romance between, uh, Henry Rollins and Glenn Danzig.
0: Beautiful. And wait, a sexual romantic. Oh, excellent. But I think, uh, it's still it's treated
1: as a straightforward <laughs> just romance, but it's with those two, and they were not pleased, from my understanding. Dancing in particular, I don't know, I don't well, know. You think yeah. dancing of all people? Would be- and
0: also, you would think, oh wow, I am enough of a cultural <laughs> icon that people are writing slash fic about me, yeah. you know, uh, uh-huh. and making something beautiful or entertaining out of that. I guess they just, uh, they couldn't appreciate it. Well, I mean, I'm not them, so I don't know. Right. Maybe it does then feel weird no to have your, your uh, sexuality <laughs> inverted in graphic novel. That form. would be weird. But I think also, I
1: mean, neither of us are building our brand on being shirtless.
0: <laughs> You're so right. There's that. There is some inherent homoeroticism <laughs> in the Glenn Danzig brand. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um,
1: so that was Neely's, that was my introduction to his work. And then, uh, so he, he's, he's kind of similar to bag where he has a cartoony style. It's not quite as cartoony as bag, but so it's cartoony, but it's like he draws the way he draws sex and violence. There's no other way to say it. The way he draws sex and violence is just so good. Like yeah. it's very and it's very exploitative. Like it's not uh, again not PC. You said grindhouse, slightest. very yeah. grindhouse, and uh, just but just really good action packed, and just I I don't know. It, it's hard for me. I like to think that I'm uh, intelligent enough to be able to express why I enjoy something. But a book like The Humans, I'm like, this is this so cool? Yeah. Like there's really not much else no, for I,
0: it. No, I, I love that idea. Well, this is something you can get in comic books that you can't get in in a novel, really, yeah. or, or, or even a, I think a movie where the visual of them being apes is just sort of off from what the story is in a, in a way, mm-hmm. but it's, you know, and that's it. Right. Then Then let that speak for itself. Mm-hmm if it were a film if it were a novel you'd have to ex- you might have to explain why well they were turned into apes right. or this is a planet right, right, right. of the apes and here, here's a banana joke and <laughs> and, and their primate attitude plays into it this way but this is you know someone just going no they this is how they look and 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 let's move on yeah. like let let that be this sort of subtext or this undercurrent or this thing that comments on it in a weird like one step removed kind of way right That's something that comics do really well sometimes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the thing about comics is that you can just... There's no budget. Right. There's no constraints at all. That's, to me, why it's the best medium possible. Yeah. Is that it's just words and pictures, and you can do anything with words and pictures, if you know what you're doing, obviously. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, a book like The Humans, I think it only exists in comics because it... Yeah, what... Like you and I love the Planet of the Apes, and there's a I'm sure there's a dedicated cult following. But no one's going to want to pour money into sort of a sidebar alternate reality of
0: the Planet of the Apes. But a comic book company. But would. a comic book company's like an, yeah. an indie publisher would do that. It's not going to, yeah. Uh, absolutely, surely there are, are surreal films. Sure, but there are not surreal twenty-six part films. So there again, <laughs> exactly. you get to the other advantage <laughs> of comic books is that they're very good at long form storytelling. Right. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, I'm gonna hit you with one more, probably. Please do. Um, I'm trying to decide because I've got a couple here. This vibranium is really good, Jared. Uh, should I go? Okay. <laughs> should I go with a weird superhero comic? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just do this one. So I thought there was gonna I'm gonna be go, a- go '90s again. Okay. Because this is you know this is a reason people might not have heard of some some things. Uh, John Ostrander and Tom Mandrake's The Spectre. Oh, boy. Have you ever read it? Yeah, not in years, but I love The Spectre. It was awesome. So, The Spectre is one of my favorite characters because of this run by mm-hmm. these two guys, John Ostrander and, and Tom Mandrake. The Spectre was originally created in the 30s by Jerry Siegel, a guy who also co-created Superman. Right. The idea behind The Spectre, uh, it's, the mo- it's the simplest of ideas, mm-hmm. which is that there's a cop who busts mobsters, but then the mob- mobsters they capture him they catch him they capture him Mm -hmm. they put him in a in a drum Mm -hmm. and they throw him in the river and he dies right and then this uh, they never explained this back in the 30s this entity or this thing called the voice Mm -hmm. demands that he rise from the dead as a ghost called the specter and wreak vengeance on the world of crime. And the way that the 1930s specter was written was in a way that you wouldn't see a comic written anymore, where they didn't think there was anything wrong with just giving the specter all of the powers. Like the specter was literally godlike. to where they
1: even at, at some point later, they just, they, he, is just God. Like the voice is God. Like, yes, they more decide less, later. Yeah, it's just so Judeo Christian God.
0: And this Austen Drake run, they try to explain a lot of what was going on in the 19th going on in the 1930s specter because in those old specter comics the specter would literally like be like i turn into scissors and then he would just turn into a giant pair of scissors he just cut someone in half
1: his ironic punishment was always always the hook
0: it it was always like going for ironic but you Mm -hmm. could tell the writer was maybe a little lazy and he was like (laughs) you gave people drugs so i'm turning into a giant pill and falling on you. <laughs> and you're like, okay. Yeah. So what was that all about? And for years, I read this interview with John Ostrander, the guy that wrote this run I really like. For years, people said, well, the only way to make the Spectre work as a character is you're going to have to give him less powers. Because right. right now he's even more powerful than Superman. He's Omnipotent. Yeah, He's omnipotent. He can turn on anything. He can become anything. He can make the door you're walking through be a portal straight to hell. Yeah, He can do anything. But John Ostrander said, no, that's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to use the original super incredibly powerful guy. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to say that he is the, he is God's tool of vengeance. Right. He is the angel of death that God sent to punish the Egyptians mm-hmm. when uh, when he took the firstborn during right, the, the the plagues, the ten plagues, and basically at one point this uh, this spirit of vengeance he he. Turned against God because God decided to start having more mercy. Right. And he was like, no, we're vengeful. We're the old, old Testament. You know, he wanted the the, the spirit of vengeance. The, 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 the angel of death wanted there to be a a old Testament God who just punished people. Well, at a certain point, God said, no, I'm going to be merciful and he rebelled. So they tied the specter. They tied this, this angel of death to a human. Uh, And so now you've got this whole mythology that's like very well informed by the fact that Ostrander was a theology student for a couple of years. Right. Yeah. So he uses all of this really great heaven, hell, demons, biblical stuff. He uses the Old Testament really well, Mm -hmm. which you don't see in a lot of comic books. You see a lot of like, you know, Catholic, Jesus-y kind of imagery in some stuff. A lot of
1: vague, like that's kind of, well, we're going to base our vague morality on what we know to be the Judeo-Christian sort of. Catholic, but it, there's, it's there's never
0: there's some good like paradise losty kind of stuff right. in some comics but but Ostrander uses that old testament stuff really well and now he, he he keeps the specter as this guy that has these these like kind of infinite powers he ties them to jim corrigan who he decides is a cop who was a bad cop he was a cop that beat people up that mm-hmm. planted evidence mm-hmm. a vengeful guy right and now, those, now the, the, the book is really, it's about um, who do you punish and how do you punish them and when is punishment just, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, he has infinite power, but is it okay for him to punish a woman who killed her abusive husband in his sleep because she was abusing Mm-hmm. he was abusing her. Right. And that's the focus of an issue. Mm-hmm. And it does what I like in the, uh, the Jonah hex run we were talking about. There's a lot of one and done's, right? Mm-hmm. These morality tales where the specter has to go, is this okay for me to do this? Right. What is the just thing to do here? You know, uh, there's one where he has to decide whether or not to kill a baby mm-hmm. because some sort of, you know, there is a, there's a lot of magic and supernatural and it's some sort of evil entity has decided to take up residency inside this baby. Um, um, I mean, there's there's one where he starts to ki- he starts to threaten to kill the entire state of New York because they're about to execute an innocent man on the electric chair. <laughs> so the specter's like, "Fine, I will murder everybody in New York State."
1: He's sure. literally
0: going to stop at the New Jersey border. He's very wrathful. Um, at one point, um, there are these two countries. That fight constantly and have genocides, and mm-hmm. every time they say that they make a peace treaty, they just go to fighting again. Mm-hmm. So he kills everybody in the country except for the two leaders, <laughs> and I think at the very end, those two leaders who are these like presidential guys who live in right. these palaces and stuff are on the ground just trying to cane and enable each other. Sure. So it's it's like this very heady, yeah, old testamenty yeah, stuff. Yeah. But again, what's so great is they got to they got to. Uh, and by the way, Mandrake. Tom Mandrake's art Super is good. awesome. He's a great artist. I don't know how Absolutely. to describe it except that it's got like a good mix of like classic art, but with this kind of very kind of '90s sort of groovy kind of like one panel flows into the next. Yeah. Kind of like he was really good at panel structure yes. and and storytelling that way, and and how 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 he laid out his storyboard. So um, so they got to do it for five years. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of it. And they were told a year before it finished that it was going to finish in a year. They had time to wrap everything up. They had time to wrap it up the way that they wanted to wrap it up. This is extremely rare in comics. Very much so, especially in the 90s. Uh, Yes, so it's a super satisfying run of comics to read. Um, Have they collected these? um, It is very... I don't think that they have. Oh, that's a shame. I should have looked that up right before we started here. Um, But it is The Spectre by Ostrander and Mandrake look it up and I think see they're pretty the single issues shouldn't be too
1: hard to find it's
0: not sought after and it's not right. i think it's way way under the radar and not appreciated enough so. oh, okay well yeah they should collect them i mean i know that both marvel probably, and DC people don't are, know who the character are
1: is. well are, are they not i guess they're not really using the specter that's the thing about because i'm an avowed marvel zombie like that's yeah. my jam absolutely but with DC, what I like about DC, and since I guess since I'm not as invested in the oh, overall, oh,
0: this is a DC comic book, right. by the way. So there, he, the Specter happens to be the same in the same universe as Batman or right. the Flash, right? Yeah.
1: And since I'm not as invested in the DC universe, I kind of like these characters like the Specter who were not as big. Who are not as well-known. Jonah Hex is also
0: DC. Yeah. It's the same sort of deal. Um, the Spectre was usually used in the DC universe. When he would hang out with the other superheroes, he'd be used as like this sort of omnipotent sort right. of force in the way in Marvel, when they would go cosmic, you would see the living tribunal right. or eternity, the, the embodiment, yeah, the Watcher. Yeah. he's. Oh, you know what? That's perfect. The Spectre's usually used more as this Very sort watchery. of morality tale version of the Watcher. Yeah. Um, but in his own book for those five years, I think he really shined as kind of this really cool concept.
1: I can't remember. I think I started reading the spectrum. I want to say he was in the secret six for a while, which I, that was a book that I read. I want to say he was at least. Tangentially connected to that around really? Infinite Crisis, like around that time. I
0: mean, they used it, you know, they've used him in so many ways. For a while, they made Hal Jordan, who was originally right. Green Lantern, and that they was made him great into run. the specter. I like that a lot, yeah. Uh, later, they had a character named Crispus Allen turn into the specter. Yeah, Spectre. that
1: was the specter that I was most familiar with. Crispus and, Allen, who had been a Gotham City detective.
0: In a, in a great book by a guy I've already mentioned, Ed Brubaker, called right. Gotham Central, yes. which was just about the cops in Gotham City. Very also, straight ahead cop story totally worth your time as well but then you know they took one of the one of the fan favorite characters from that book who was just a cop and they Mm. made him merge with the specter spirit um we have time i think for just one more oh absolutely Uh, do you have anybody left any other little gems you want to recommend really quickly
1: gem left
0: here let's go a little bit lightning round all right you just have one yeah Okay, just do your whole one. Go All right. for it. Yeah, well, yeah.
1: So there's uh, there's a writer who's currently who's just now he's gonna uh, start writing Doctor Strange. His name is Donnie Cates. Uh, he's been, he's got some great books on image right now called, there's one called Redneck, which is about Southern fried vampires. Great. Uh, there's one called God country, which also takes place in the South and it's kind of almost like a Thor story that takes place in the South. But his first book, at least the first book that I was really familiar with was one called paybacks, which is in the same vein as the boys. It's like a superhero, almost kind of a parody thing. Yeah. But it's where, um, So these superheroes, when they go into the superheroing business, all their gadgets and hideouts, et cetera, those aren't aren't free. So a lot of these guys end up going into debt with all their equipment and everything. And instead of being repossessed, they kind of go to work as repo men for this (laughs) kind of shadow organization. So they become the payback. So their job is to hunt down superheroes who have flaked on their bills and either collect or they get recruited. Oh and, wow! Uh,
0: what kind of equipment are we talking about? Well, here? there's a,
1: I, I remember there's a character named Knight Knight who's like K N I G H T, yeah, Knight, and then or the other way around, one of those. And so he's very much a Batman, Iron Man sort of character. So right, this gadgety suit, and he's got a whole cave and everything else. And he, I think, I believe his backstory was that he was a millionaire, hence how he could afford all this stuff. But then he just went, he lost all his money <laughs> being a superhero, <laughs> and so he gets <laughs> recruited into. The team to have to uh, and I I, now it's been a little while since I read it so I don't remember what the overarching story is but that's like the the bare bones yeah is that it's this team that has to repossess superhero stuff. And, uh, um, it's,
0: uh, it's superhero fantasy mixed with economic reality. Yes,
1: absolutely. I love and, that. Yeah. And so it's really, and Kate's is a really funny <laughs> It's writer. the big short, but with superheroes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I believe his first, and I think it's tied into paybacks. His very first book was one called buzzkill where this, the, the superhero was powered by booze, but then he had to go <laughs> into AA cause he had a problem. Right. So it's yeah. this, he has to try to, you know, but then he can't save the city from, disaster if he doesn't get hammered wow and then i believe that tied into paybacks i think one of the characters from buzzkill ended up being in paybacks as well so it's this very and again very ns sort of take on and this is more this is more current yes this was dark horse started publishing paybacks i want to say in 2013 okay and then they dropped the title but then heavy metal picked it up so they were able to finish paybacks out before they got, you know, they got canceled, I think, over at Dark Horse, but they were still able to finish it. And then, like I say, Donny Cates has moved on to, he wrote a bunch of books at Image and now he's going to be working for Marvel, which I'm very excited for.
0: Yeah. I can't wait for that. I lo- I've loved the Jason Aaron Punisher. Oh, I mean, Doctor why did Strange. I say Punisher? Yeah. Dr. Strange. Yeah. Um, it's been great. Great. But I, I would like a new really excellent writer to be on that book. Right. I, I love that else, character.
1: If anybody else were taking over Dr. Strange, I might be a little reticent, but since it's Cates and I'm familiar with his work. Uh, yeah, I'm all for it. So I think paybacks is another but isn't I, I really do like I think Watchmen kind of really hammer that into me, like a sort of meta uh postmodern take on superheroes. Yeah. So I really, really like stuff like that. So the boys, payback well, when you're
0: steeped in superheroes like you and I are, right. it you always get a kick out of seeing these right. like yeah, yeah, yeah. left of center takes on yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. Which is
1: why it's always weird, because there, there is always some pushback from
0: very dyed-in-the-wool superhero guys, and I'm always very confused by that attitude. I mean, attitude. Some, some people, I knew a guy one time who would only read Batman, and I don't understand it. Uh, he got extremely angry when they brought back, um, who's the Robin that got killed? Oh, Jason Todd. When they brought back Jason Todd from the dead, he mm-hmm. was extremely upset and I remember this was in uh, this was in college, I think, or maybe it was in in Chicago when I lived there. This guy was like, "I can't believe they did that! It's a core part of the character that Jason Todd is dead." And you're like, "There is no core part of the character in the 1940s. Batman used a gun all the time. Yeah, now it's like the he would never do that. Right. So it's different all the time. It's that was, always
1: changing. That was one of the first things I think I kind of." was able to excise from cuz I used to be very continuity conscious yeah. as well and then I realized it's it's not these aren't uh these stories are not set in stone it's yeah. a it's a mythology it's like a tapestry and so things just and I just now I just Jesus, it's artwork, yeah. you know.
0: Like read a little fan of graphics and and learn yeah. that, and then come back and to then your superheroes. You'll
1: you'll have so much more fun once you let go of all those preconceptions. Oh, this how this character when I used to, when I worked in the shop uh, and the original owner of the shop was very traditional and proud of it. And yeah, God bless. I mean, if that's what you like, that's what you like. That's he what liked you like. Silver age stuff, but he would constantly say that it's not how the character is supposed to be. And I'm like, dude. Sure.
0: Like, why wouldn't it? Be? It's so tedious. It's what a so tedious, tedious conversation. No, no, no. The version that of the character that I liked when I first got into it mm. is the only proper and correct version of the character. Ugh. Come on, man. Have a little I mean, I don't even know how to
1: argue that anymore it's such it's so silly
0: how about loving every version of the character yeah. or three versions of the character because <laughs> lord knows what these characters they're around so long there's hundreds of them
1: that's i mean i, I that was what i would say i'm like dude if if you don't want to read the new stuff there's still tons there's so much old of stuff. old stuff to read or reread or whatever you want to do. I don't know why that would upset you. It, well, it's, it's a
0: function of it being a little too important to them. Yeah. And we're, you know what? We don't have time to psychoanalyze them today, but That's you'll true. come back. Oh, and we'll absolutely. talk about this some more. Yes, I would love to. Guys, I think we I think we got into it. I think, I think we think gave we some really, great wrecks.
1: We really did. A lot of oh, wrecks. Oh,
0: man, our wrecks were so turgid. Um... <laughs> Well, I've loved talking about this. I want to do it again. Yes. Uh, guys, uh, this has been the Secret Masters podcast. At Secret Master Pod is where you can send your recommendations to us. Please do. Because we want to hear them. Uh, my guest has been Jimmy Calloway. Thank you, uh, And it's just been lovely having you yeah. here.
1: Yeah, the pleasure was all mine.
0: To infinity and beyond, everybody. See you later. Bye-bye.